when you're in recovery from encephalitis, the medical chores don't stop. <laughs> I just spent a good portion of this morning uh, making a bunch of phone calls and sending out some emails to um, coordinate some various things like tracking down some lab work, making sure some referrals have gone through, and uh, being on a kind of fact-finding mission because I have just put myself in for an IQ test and I couldn't be happier right now. <laughs> um, I mean, it does hurt the pocketbook a little bit. Uh, I will be paying out of pocket for it and like spent a while phoning around, playing some phone tag just to make sure I find a provider that's going to provide me with the appropriate assessment that I'm looking for. But um, yeah, <laughs> stuffing back a little bit. The reason why that's such a big deal to me is because one of the like top items on my bucket list for the majority of last year when I was relapsing was to recover well enough for it to be worthwhile for me to get an IQ test done. I had to learn the hard way that for the vast majority of doctors, or at least the ones that I've had the experience of seeing, it is not enough to tell them that, hey, I went from working 40 to 60 hours a week in a demanding job and now I'm barely able to work five hours and have them believe that you are relapsing. Now I understand like if you're new to the picture and your patient does not have something obvious to follow such as like new MRI results, might have always been normal, um, that you may look at what's happening with a degree of skepticism. However, what I got from a couple doctors was just, oh, it takes a long time to recover from a brain injury, and these could very well just be long-term sequelae. And they would not take into account that normally I am more on the high-functioning side of things, and just because I can, you know, answer your questions more or less does not mean that maybe I just have mild impairment. It's like to go from making a living for yourself and taking care of yourself and then having that taken away because like your brain is so dysfunctional, um, that I think should cause more cause for concern in doctors than what, what I was receiving. Now last year, mid 2020, uh, when I was under the care of a reasonable doctor who at least put me back on rituximab, which together with IVIG got me back to baseline in 2019, he sent me away for a neuropsychological assessment. These are, from what I understand, um, longer, or at least more expensive than IQ tests. And one component of the neuropsych test involves scoring an abbreviated IQ. Now I understand that there is no perfect measure of intelligence and you shouldn't put all your stock into a single IQ test number. However, most neurologists and doctors in general, they love their quantification and I do too. So in this scenario, I deem IQ to be a reasonable proxy of some measure of general life capability. Now at the time of testing, I was subjectively self-judging my own capabilities at about 70% of my baseline level of functioning, so not, not the worst of the worst by any means, but definitely headed in the wrong direction. And you know what? That actually lines up pretty decently with the IQ testing I had done as a child to attend a gifted school and be in an accelerated program. Comparing my 2020 abbreviated IQ score versus my childhood IQ, the numbers in math line up with that 70% that I mentioned. However, 2020 testing still puts me within an average IQ range. Now, Dr. A, 
he tells me that the childhood testing is from too long ago to be valid. End of story. You appear average and are probably not relapsing. And Dr. B, she looks at the report, acknowledges that maybe there's some level of impairment, but it's just mild if anything, and perhaps I just have adult ADHD and completely disregards the encephalitis diagnosis. Meanwhile, I'm just thinking, holy crap, I wish I knew about neuropsychological assessments in 2019 when I recovered back to baseline, then perhaps the doctors during this relapse could stop gaslighting me. <laughs> yes, who knows if that exact number from childhood, that IQ, is still valid now, like in adulthood. However, um, at the risk of sounding like a snob, I don't mean to, but perhaps it will just drive home the point of how dismissive doctors can be. It is not too likely that someone with an average IQ is going to excel in an entrance exam to get into the most competitive high school in my region, score in the top 5% of my university peers to get multiple A pluses in my university transcripts, or be the number one student in the professional health program that I got into in university. And to make an analogy here, if you have a car that is supposed to top out at say 180 miles an hour, and instead it's only able to get to like 120 miles an hour, I'm just making these numbers up. <laughs> I don't know enough about cars. You're probably not going to continue to feel comfortable driving that thing. No one is going to tell you, uh, you should be thankful that it's still running in some capacity. You would be justified in thinking, well crap, there's something seriously wrong with this picture. I better fix the integrity of this car because it's on the way to falling apart. Man, do I have a chip on my shoulder. I spent longer talking through that than I originally intended to. Anyway, long story short, through 10 months of relapsing after recovering in 2019 from five years of illness with no real telling whether I'd actually recover again or not, to reach this moment now of feeling excited to book in for an IQ test and to be on my way to receiving an objective marker showing what my cognitive normal is versus when I'm impaired with autoimmune encephalitis, it's a bit unreal. <laughs> it speaks to an immense shift in my cognitive levels and like essentially having escaped from a dementia state. So I'm just over the moon. Now in general, in my opinion, uh, neuropsychiatric assessments are a really awesome and underutilized tool for encephalitis patients or any brain injury patients. Getting it done last year helped me to characterize what specific areas of my thinking and behavior were preserved and what were impaired. And from there, I ended up being referred to a speech therapist who did cognitive therapy with me. We worked hard, hard at improving my verbal fluency, which is something I had become quite self-conscious about at the time, and also examined various strategies to compensate for my attention and executive functioning issues, as well as other, other kind of convoluted thinking problems. That, that is it for me today. World Encephalitis Day is fast approaching on February 22nd, so my 22 podcast in 22 days challenge is winding down, but we've got four more to go. We will see you back here tomorrow.